lost again. I'm not happy. It just goes to show how shit my United are without Maguire in the back. It doesn't look good for me. Surely you know that you need to cover your goal. <laughs> like you're a goalkeeper, mate. Oh, good old Scott Carson. Because <laughs> this has been a bad season for Newcastle, granted. Got to be a Scott Carson's got a higher... Um, Pass completion than Iniesta. I'm going to call it the Pogba at Juventus role. Uh, Daniel Jebison, the 17-year-old, doing more for them than Brewster's done all season. Allison goes and scores an absolute stonker of a header. Imagine. Just because of that defending, they should go straight to the championship. Luis, do not celebrate like that whilst on you <laughs> with that massive laugh on your face. Sit down. I was actually quite happy for Leicester. He was unbelievable at centre-back. He had, he had Vardy in his back pocket the whole game and I'm leaping about my front room, screaming like a madman. Yeah, that's that's probably the greatest 61 seconds <laughs> of my Sunday. It feels good for Leicester because it's such a great story. What does warrant Tottenham a place in the big six? Oh, you need to bin him off, fucking twat. Someone absolutely pile drives through him. You lost, he was offside, stop crying over it. Me and you are going to have issues after this, mate. No one closes down. They pass it across the face goal, tap it in, cheers and 4 0. <laughs> yeah, but so does Aidan McGeady, he plays in League One. He was just a generational talent, really. I know why he's doing that, because he, I reckon there's someone that he, everyone's not mentioned yet, so he wants to say it first. <laughs> Got a big, bold man going in at centre-back. I personally think one of the best midfielders in our generation not to win the Ballon d'Or. What else can be said? I mean, the guy has probably one of the best left foots on the planet. Costa, you're getting kicked out of this call if you think Sillison is the second best Sillison. One of the greatest Dutch midfielders of all time. Don't you dare Michael Owen us. Your Foot On It podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Put Your Foot On It podcast. I'm your host this week, Harrison Lane, and I'm joined by Lewis Blackmore. Hello. Dan Clark. Hello. Jack Guffrey. Hello. And Luis Costa. I'm last again. I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, this week we are going to be talking about the Premier League fixtures starting from the Man United Liverpool game on Thursday the 13th, uh, the FA Cup final, and our Dutch five aside team from over the years. So, to jump straight into it, we'll go straight into the Man United Liverpool game 4 2 to Liverpool. Uh, Lewis, you are technically our Liverpool fan. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, it felt good to be honest. I mean, uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was a good result at the end of the day, and uh, not to be honest, I didn't really see it coming. Really, I thought it'd be another one of those uh, dull nil-nil draws that we've seen like throughout this season. And if anything, I think uh, the upcoming year has spurred on a lot of players and teams. I reckon, and uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't see Firmino scoring two. To be honest, no, nope. I mean, it's I like he's the best. <laughs> I was very hopeful when Fernandez put United one up in the 10th minute and I thought, here we go, we're going to get a win. And then, then a good goal from Jota. And then Firmino somehow scores his second goal after his first goal after his second goal, but before his second goal. Yeah, that's a, that's a funny one. Uh, it, was, it was shocking. I think it just goes to show how shit my United are without Maguire in the back. It doesn't look good for me. 
As yeah, I mean, listening knows I don't rate him. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it was just very telling that clearly Bai and Lindelof have no sense of communication between each other. Like, no, they clearly don't know how to play with each other. Like, they're both good players individually, but they don't play as a two very well. I mean, it's pretty similar to Williams and um, Phillips for Liverpool, really. It was but the inex- I think the inexperience of Dean Henderson didn't help. I don't know if anyone saw his positioning for the Salah goal. Like it was, you're, you're nodding your head there, Sam. What's your <laughs> thoughts on that? He basically just went, if you just put it there, then you're going to score it. Like he, like he didn't even try to defend it. Like he just, I, I just don't get it. Like yeah, it's a super say, glitch. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, you say he's inexperienced, but like surely you know that you need to cover your goal. <laughs> like you're a goalkeeper, mate. I mean, but- <laughs> it doesn't make sense at all because I was, I look back at the game he played against Liverpool earlier in the season, and Salah scored that lovely little dink over the top. Now, I'm not sure whether he was expecting Salah to do that. And that's why he didn't, that's why he closed Salah down and not the angle. But I've never seen a goalkeeper so far out of position. And like, yes, okay, we'd lost. It was a 90th minute. But if he'd saved that, we had players at the pitch we could have counterattacked and drew the game. It was just yeah. bad. But Salah just loves a late goal against Man United, all right? You can't stop it. It's just, it just has to happen. I mean, Henderson just acted like a decoy, like the bus before the game, you know what I mean? Like, that's just what he was trying to do. <laughs> that was some great tactics there by... Uh, I the, can't the, believe they did that. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. It's like some random heist on, on some Mexican city. <laughs> <laughs> but touching on the game again, though, in all fairness to Liverpool, like when everyone thought they were like just going to settle for like seventh or eighth, like they're, they are actually pushing again for that top four and uh-huh. they've, they've turned it on again at the right time. But I, I still don't actually think I see them making it, but they're, they've definitely turned it on at the right time. I, I tell you what as well, it really makes a difference when you get Thiago and Fabinho playing in midfield as opposed to just one or the other. Like they, they have not realised how much they've missed Fabinho in midfield. Like he's made a lot of difference. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that has been hard for Liverpool this season. Obviously, Van Dijk being out for so long, they don't really have a centre-back that can fill his boots. But I've got to admit, I think, is it Nat Phillips, is that his name? Yeah. He has, he has stepped up this season. After coming in, was it January 20, and he made his debut against Everton, and he yeah. went back out on loan again. But since, since Van Dijk's been out, he he's a, I mean he's a big guy he gets his head and everything he's he's been a really good player at the back for Liverpool to be fair yeah I mean of course it was his mistake for the first goal but I mean after that you couldn't really fault him at all could you really definitely not and his his this form Liverpool bringing into the back end of the season they are now fighting for fourth with West Ham Tottenham and Chelsea because Everton are now out of the running for Champions League I think we've it's fair to say Leicester should be guaranteed top four. I and mean, there's not many points difference, but it, it's, I don't know if Liverpool will get it, but they are the ones that are going to fight Chelsea right to the end. Well, I think when you think about it, Leicester will probably um, lose to Chelsea after their FA Cup result on Saturday, on Tuesday, as of recording tomorrow. But um, I, I still think Leicester and Chelsea would be the people that are in the, the teams that are in the top four. Uh, I, think I think they deserve cool. to be because they've played the best football this season. The, those four teams in the top, bar West Ham, because I think West Ham have been really exciting this season. 
they deserve to be the top four. Tottenham don't deserve to be so high. Because if you, if you think about how they've really played over the whole season, they shouldn't really be there. They haven't been that exciting to watch. Like, yes, Kane and Son have played well and Ali's coming back into form. But Tottenham haven't, they're not the sixth best team in the league this season. But then I guess credit to them, isn't it, really? Because like they've been getting all this much flack and stuff and they've managed to... Nick, at the moment, they're sixth place. So, in a way, they like you say, they don't deserve it because they've been playing bad football, but then they've been getting the results that have got them there. So, it sort of shows this um, the sort of pressure that they're under to perform at a better ability. Yeah. So, we'll move on to the next game. Friday night, Friday the 14th, we had Newcastle Man City... Don't know if anyone's seen it, but what a game of football. Uh, four three to Man City, a Ferran Torres hat trick. Um, I think he really shone. I think we'll go over to you, Costa, because he has got to be someone you're looking out for for the Spanish team this summer. Oh, what a way to score a hat trick. <laughs> um, yeah, he'll probably he'll probably start along with Olmo and hopefully Gerard Moreno up top. And yeah, again, um, not much more you can say about him. He's young. He's probably going to play, well, Guardiola's hinting he could be Aguero's replacement as of next season. And if he is to be, then what a way to sort of prove that to the gaffer. Oh, for great sure. Save by Scott, great save by Scott Carson as well on the penalty. He has to be mentioned. Oh, good old Scott Carson. <laughs> and yeah, I, it's great. I still can't believe it. <laughs> I can't. Great I still game can't, to watch. It was it was a really good game to watch. I can't believe that Scott Carson make, plays his first game in the Premier League. I think it's something like over three thousand days. Um, he was let down by his defense because he had a brilliant game in goal. Really, Nathan Akebuna have the best game. Mm-hmm. I have to say. In all fairness to Newcastle, though, like it's not like. City had like the weakest squad out ever and to come away from it 4-3 that's not bad going for Newcastle especially the amount of like sort of um, like Tottenham they've been getting a lot of pressure from their fans about how they've been performing and to get I know they didn't didn't win but to get a 4-3 performance against the champions it's not too bad going really I think also it demonstrates the tenacity of Newcastle you know they're Although they're they're safe now they they in their heads they still thought oh you know we should probably try and keep winning to not finished as low as possible, you know, because this has been a bad season for Newcastle, granted. But yeah, I mean, they really turned on the form, haven't they, in the last few weeks? What's what's a shame about Newcastle right now, though, is that they keep <clears throat> everyone really that's in that squad probably next season, except Joe Willock. And I think he's just broken, I think it's Jose Antonio Reyes's record for the youngest person to score five goals in a row in five consecutive games in the Premier League. This back end of the season, he's been unbelievable for Newcastle. I mean, yeah. he's Steve Bruce, manager of the month in April. That's crazy. I mean, didn't they went unbeaten? <laughs> and it, it, if you think about it, Newcastle did have a good April. I think they lost to... I think they might have only lost one game in the last eight, and that was against Arsenal. And they still weren't that bad then. But I've just looked at the stats for um, this game against Man City. 83% possession for Man City... 925 passes to Newcastle's 195. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, also from a City perspective, I think Cancelo needs to start above Walker, to be honest, because I think he's the better of the two. Uh, he just keeps proving it. Every time he starts, he has a key contribution, like a goal this time, 
assist, I think, in the last time he played. So I what I like Cancelo and I like the way he um he can play that right wing back, right back, or even the way Pep plays where he tucks a full back into holding midfield to let everyone yeah. go forward, like Rodri and Fernandinho, they can go forward. Um last little thing I've got to say about this game though is um it's gotta be Scott Carson's got a higher um pass completion than Iniesta. <laughs> I think uh, in all games under Guardiola, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable stats you love to see. Oh, of course. So another another big game this weekend: um, Leeds Burnley four uh, nil smashing, um, but four goals for Leeds without Bamford getting one. Not what he really wants going into the Euro picks. I mean, realistically, he probably won't get selected in the squad anyway. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him in there, but I just don't feel like he will. But, I mean, if you see the way that Leeds play, a lot of other players than Bamford score anyway. The likes of Dallas and um, Rafinha and Jack Harrison, like they're, they're, they're all getting on the score sheet as not, well. So I wouldn't say it's a, um, a bad thing for Bamford not getting a goal. Not, not just that, but you have someone like Rodrigo who comes off the bench and he can get two. You know, it's... Uh... I think with Bielsa, he just makes them run into the ground. But yeah, that ties out the other team. And of course, Burnley defenders, they just couldn't keep up in the end. And so they were leaving gaps all over the space, all over the place. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just left enough gaps for Rodrigo. And What's crazy though, like, um, I think I read a stat on Twitter after the game that Jack Harrison has the most goals and assists for any English midfielder in the Premier League this season. But his name hasn't been chucked about for the Euros at all. I don't know whether he deserves it, but if you were to go off of off of stats, which not obviously all managers do, could he warrant a place in the team? If not it, if in, it was not solely based on stats, yeah. I don't think in England, but Man City could be monitoring that very closely. Yeah, because I don't think he has a buyback clause, right? I know Douglas Louise still has his from Villa, where he's like they can buy him back for twenty five million. I don't think there's anything there for Jack Harrison. I think Leeds will definitely try and keep him, smack a big price tag on him. Isn't he on loan? I think his loan finished. I think he, um, I think he signed permanently um, last summer because I think he was on loan. This is his second season, isn't it, at Leeds now? Uh, yeah, but uh, he I, couldn't I play. He home, yeah, but he couldn't play against his parent club. Oh no, sorry. They've got a. They've got a. They can buy him at the end of the loan. They've got a um a clause to buy him something like mega cheap, like eleven million or something. But they they it's not it's not optional. It's a it's a stuck um price tag to buy him for. So Man City don't have a say in it. It was written into the contract. Need his gain and Man City's loss, really. I'd say. <laughs> I, yeah, but the thing is though, he might be amazing for Leeds. Would he even get into that City side right now? That's the thing. No, He's well, over Sterling yeah. probably. <laughs> and back to your question as well, Harrison. The reason I don't see Harrison even being looked at by Southgate is without sounding like that sort of classic English fan, because he's not one of the big names, he just won't get, he just won't have a chance at all. Oh, you're bang on. It's, it's always the same. Um, other results in the Premier League this weekend, we don't have to touch upon all of them, but. Um... Southampton beating Fulham 3-1. I think that was obvious as soon as the game started. Fulham were already down, didn't really care. Um, Brighton drawing one all to West Ham, technically ruining West Ham's chance at a Champions League now. But 
they're guaranteed Europa League, so perfect. They're they're fine. They get Europe next season. Uh, Palace Villa. That was quite an interesting game to watch. Um, goal near the end for um, Palace. Uh, stop probably going to stop Villa now from getting in the top ten. Which I've well, no matter what, it's an improvement for Villa this season after finishing seventeenth last year. Definitely. Um, Tottenham Wolves, another good game. Um, Ryan Mason really knowing how to use that Tottenham squad. But can anyone else? Can anyone explain to me why Ndombele is not liked by certain managers? I mean, I think it, I think it was mostly because of, because of the fact that under Mourinho, he expects midfielders to get back and defend. He, he expects everyone to get back and defend. And Undombele is not in any way a defensive midfielder at all. And, and, and that's where he was being played. You know, at Lyon, he, he sort of had that, that, I'm going to call it the Pogba at Juventus role, where he's sort of free to kind of, you know, go and do what you want because you, you have the players that you know will be there and defend and you have the players that you know will go and attack out with you, like Hussein Alwa. So he, he was kind of basically given that free role to basically bring the ball up because he, he's so good on the ball. He just, he he doesn't defend. Like, it's not a case of he can't defend. He probably could if he tried. It's just that he he doesn't try to defend. He feel, he fills a space and stands there, yeah. um, which is probably the biggest reason why he isn't liked. But when you put him in attacking situations, his dribbling and his passing ability is ridiculous. But he formed such a good partnership with um, Hoybier at the start of the season when Mourinho played like a 4-2-3-1 and he played really well. But <clears throat> pardon me, um, Ryan Mason, I think, likes to play players that played like him, which sounds weird. But like, I don't understand how Lo Celso warrants a place in, in like a more defensive midfield sort of role. Because again, I thought he was a more attacking midfielder. Same Harry Wink shouldn't be anywhere near that Tottenham squad either. And he gets... I think I wouldn't that, worry too much about it because Mason's going to be gone in two games. So yeah, yeah, I think I think Mason's just trying to use the squad to his best abilities. I think he's uh, obviously trying to invoke a reaction, and you know, obviously it's not really working. I mean, Spurs haven't really got a chance of anything at the moment, but um, I think he's just trying to do the best he can and use the squad as most. I mean, look at the three subs he made, all midfielders. You know, yeah. I mean <laughs> the. The one Winks thing and Blianz, 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 Blianz. all came on in the second half. So, yeah, the one thing from this Tottenham squad now is, does Deli Ali's form put him anywhere near the England team? I don't think it should. Nah. Nah. No, no. I loved him in the World Cup, but I just, I don't think he warrants it at all. I mean, look, all- look at the players ahead of him, like Foden, Mount. Madison, you know, there's so many other players that can go ahead. So I don't think Dele Alli is even 25 yet. And he's had four seasons where he's been absolutely shocking. Yeah, I think I think we, we, we've talked about Kane before being one of these players that needs to get away from Tottenham to try and win something. I think Dele Alli is the exact same. Yeah, I mean, wasn't he linked with PSG in January because of Poch? Could he could possibly go there in the summer? But it's, it depends on who comes in to um, Tottenham this this summer because I I've not seen very much other than Scott Parker, but I I don't know anyone else who's been linked to the job. But I don't think Scott Parker. It's like the whole Lampard, the Chelsea sort of thing. Is he actually ready for a job that big? And he'll probably reject Tottenham because he like he likes Fulham. He's got control in Fulham, and 
he's loved in Fulham because he's already got them out of the championship. Once. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if he goes to Spurs, yeah, he played for Spurs and all this and that. But are the fans going to turn on him after three defeats in a row? Probably. Also, Harrison, you mentioned before we um, went on to the Tottenham thing about other results that mean a lot. The um, Everton game, them losing to Sheffield, I think has actually really damaged their potential hopes of pushing up the table as well. Losing 1-0 to already relegated Sheffield, I think was a big blow for them. Sheffield United yesterday played like the Sheffield United at the start of last season. Like They played so well, the overlapping centre-backs... Um, uh, Daniel Jefferson, the 17-year-old, doing more for them than Brewster's done all season on his debut, scoring a goal. And it was a really good goal as well, really well worked. And I think he's definitely someone to watch for the future. I know, obviously, he should absolutely shine in the championship. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, definitely. But um, I think at the moment, they're all playing for their contracts, aren't they, at the moment? It's yeah. the typical, you've been relegated, now you're playing to see whether you, you're wanted at this club, you know? Oh, for sure. And I think there's going to be a lot of uh, deadwood eradicated in the summer in that team for the championship. Yeah. We'll move on to the final game in the Premier League. And um, it's got to be Liverpool-West Brom. It looked like it was all over in the final seconds of the game. Going to be a draw. West Ham getting a point at home to the uh, last season's champions. And then, bang, Alisson goes and scores an absolute stonker of a header to be the first goalkeeper in Premier League history to score a header. And was it, Lewis, you was, you said it's the first time a goalkeeper scored since Begovic in 2013? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, also, the first time, it's also the first time that a Liverpool goalkeeper has ever scored a competitive goal in their history. Which is mental. <laughs> it's, a, it's crazy. I mean, it was, it was, I don't know if any of you guys are watching it, but I had it on. And what <laughs> the, the fact is that he got up and he headed it like a striker. It wasn't just a goalkeeper prancing around in the air. He took flight and he put his head through that ball. I mean, like, I get, like a salmon. I mean, I get, I get goalkeepers are, let's say, less dangerous than outfield players. But when you have six foot four, six foot five, Allison going into your box, stick a man on him just in case. Exactly. Just in case. There was no defenders around him at all. He was free on like just behind the front post and. If like like Louis said, if it lands on him, in a way he's he should be expected to score. Yeah. So why why would you put that one bit one man on him just for a bit of pressure? It's very bad defending, but obviously you can't take away from the finish either. Love it. I would have loved. Sorry, I would have loved that goal relegating West Brom, but they already (laughs) are. But just because of that defending, they should go straight to the championship. Yeah. Yeah. He's now uh, he's now one goal behind Timo Werner in twenty twenty one. <laughs> what are your boys? What are your thoughts on that, boys? Then Jack and Sam. Uh, I don't, I don't. Do we have to talk about Chelsea in this podcast? Or oh, uh, sorry, little. Uh, I think, I think, next, I think we're going to be talking about Chelsea. We're talking Chelsea. Let's let's go to the FA Cup final. I will go. Louise, to... look, no, sorry, Harrison. I'm going to speak over you here. Louise, do not celebrate like that whilst on mute <laughs> with that massive laugh on your face. Sit down. <laughs> I'm celebrating having 22,000 at Wembley again. <laughs> oh, okay. Limbs. Um, all right, Sam, I'll go straight to you first. Not forget about the result. What were your what was your thoughts on the overall of the game? I mean, to be fair, at first I did think it was it was an interesting game. There was a few things going on. 
I mean, if you take away uh, take away the possibility of there being a handball in the build-up, I mean, that goal was outrageous. I mean, the goal wasn't scored by a handball. So you've got to look at that goal and just go, wow, fair play at Wembley. Like Luis just said, 22,000 fans in there after the year that we've had. From a football perspective, not being a supporter of any of the teams or whatever, or if you're a Leicester supporter, what a goal. Um, obviously, Chelsea scored at the end with a very, very tight offside call, but if he was slightly offside, that's what VAR's there for. So it, it was an interesting game and I'm going to be that sort of really like poor Chelsea fan, but I was actually quite happy for Leicester. So I'm not going to be too, too wound up about the result. Well, Jack, I'll swing over to you. Oh, it's just, it was a boring game, really. <clears throat> just uh, Leicester scored with their only shot on target. Yeah. And if there's anyone that you don't want to have a pop shot from 30 yards, it's Yuri Tielemans. You know, there were <clears throat> potentially four players that could have closed him down. None of them did. Everyone's calling for a handball. It wasn't a handball. The ball was fired at, I think it was Iose Perez. It yeah. hits him on the thigh and then hits him on the hand. Everyone on Twitter has been saying oh, it's a handball because it hits his hand and the ball changes direction. Yeah, but it hits his thigh and changes direction. So I don't think that pass would have been made anyway. It's not handball. Get on with it. Close down, you know, and Yuri Tielemans doesn't score that. It's a wonder goal. Yeah. Unbelievable goal. And they're only shot on target in the game. Which I mean, is ridiculous. You said about closing down and that. I think one major thing you can take from that game is how good Reese James was at centre-back. He was unbelievable at centre-back. He had, he had Vardy in his back pocket the whole game. And in fairness, Rudiger had Ian Acho in his back pocket the whole game. You know, uh, defensively, we, we, we actually looked quite solid. There were a couple of chances that Leicester had in that, that second half. And obviously the, the Tielemans one, you know, was a half chance. I, I think they had something like 0.6 XG yeah. um, uh, throughout the whole game. God only knows what that shot was. And Chelsea had an XG of over one. But um, yeah, then then we get the the goal at the end and I'm leaping about my front room, screaming like a madman. And then it gets ruled out by VAR. Uh, and then you've got however many thousand Chelsea fans in the stadium now bawling their eyes out. Yeah. Ripping their hair out. Oh, especially really- Chilwell. The video of that was... Oh, mate, that is... Oh, that video... Yeah, that's that's probably the greatest 61 seconds of my Sunday. <laughs> I, I love that. I hate VAR, but the, the change Do you know what, though? To pull on what Sam said, it feels good for Leicester because it's such a great story. Yeah, it is. And also, and also look at Vardy's new record as well. He's played in every round of the competition and now he's actually won it as well. I mean, that's... I don't think that's ever going to happen again, is it, to be honest? And as well, I don't want to jump on the bandwagon of everything that was on social media, but the connection that that team do have with the owner, obviously partially due to the unfortunate circumstances of what happened a few years back, but to be still be able to build on that relationship because they had that with the previous owner is just unreal. And it does yeah. just add to their like that success of 2016 and then to now. Like it's just, I think it's such a good story. And also adds to the it adds to the old fan argument of you know totally against the European Super League, you know. Leicester, yeah. are, well, I know Leicester are now one of the big six probably, but they weren't one of the big six that actually joined the league. So you know. But you say about big six, like I, not many people like 
that wording, get rid of it. But yeah. they've won a league title in the last five years. They've just won an FA Cup. Tottenham haven't won a trophy since 2008. What does warrant Tottenham a place in the big six? There, Money. there isn't. Uh, yeah, then, yeah, it is right. Um, the only, that, the only other thing I want to say about the cup final is, uh, what's what's your thoughts on what Daniel Marty did after the game? Oh, he bin him off. <laughs> Fucking twat. What an idiot. It, like, yeah. I get you're happy and you're celebrating and everything like that, but come on now. You don't need to chuck our little flag. Thing. I can't remember what it's called Press, about. Pressing, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it's just, it was disrespectful. So really? now I hope that he comes on uh, on uh, tomorrow, <laughs> is it? Tuesday. And someone absolutely pile drives through him. Yeah, you you're meant to be. They're meant to be building this game off a load of respect and stuff. And like, yeah, realistically, like you can see it and just be like, oh, you just chucked a little thing on the floor. But it it was like quite intentional and quite like like if you want to gain respect in football, you can celebrate in other ways. You don't yeah, need to. Do that. There's there's a clear line, isn't there? And you know, he stepped well over that. So yeah, you know why the fact that Fafana instantly stopped the live stream. He was doing his Instagram live as soon as Amati did that. He knew straight away. Yeah, you know, you know, you know what I loved after the final. Not only the Chelsea fans crying over the VAR decision, saying Leicester only had one shot on target, and blah 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 blah, and the lack of humility from some of them. It was Thomas Tuchel's post-match interview. Uh, I was watching the BT coverage, so I only watched his interview on BT and saying that obviously it was humble and that cost the game. VAR cost them the game. Well, not really. Leicester were, in my opinion, the better team. And you lost your source of final. Stop and look, look, who, who knows, it, who knows what, what would have happened in extra time should that have stayed 1-1. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not like Chelsea were all over them and they got robbed. They robbed and it was like five yards on side. No, you, you lost, it was upside, stop crying over it. And if we were, I wonder what's he going to do if Man City batters him on the 29th? What, what is he going to say then? And if we were all over him, then we should have put some chances in the back of the net before Exactly. That. Or, or even on target. Yeah. And it isn't going to happen if you've got Werner up front. But And also, Luis, less of that about getting thrashed in the Champions League final. All right? Leave out. What? <laughs> Me and you are going to have issues after this, mate. Talking Champions League We'll quickly touch on the women's Champions League final. Barcelona. Oh, can we not? We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to. Go on, Costa. I'll let you talk. Obviously, after the disappoint well, uh, yeah, disappointment and learning curve of 2019 uh against Leon, then well, it, it was coming. Uh Chelsea were, well, I don't know, uh, they weren't switched on, were they? Uh, for a final, you have to be switched on and conceding after 33 seconds. Such a sloppy goal is just it's just your own death sentence, essentially. And after that, goal came, goals came. And it, it's not like they weren't, they were good goals. And obviously, the game was over before it even started for Chelsea, so. I was going to say, I put on my Twitter that Chelsea, especially in the first half, just couldn't, put a passage of play together that they weren't passing it around quick enough and and in all fairness that was partially down to um 
Barcelona putting a lot of pressure on them and being the stronger side. But yeah, I mean, I know it's it was obvious, but the game was lost in the first half. They were saying, oh, they might be able to get a goal back in the second. But like, even if they did, it wouldn't have changed the game. And no, they no. managed to get a goal anyway. And also, Chelsea's striker that harder, she had a fair few opportunities as well and just couldn't couldn't get a shot away on target or anything. So yeah, like, like Luis said, when you have teams that are doing that, you're just not gonna you're not gonna win against a side like Barca. They walked like the, walk the ball into the goal for pretty much all their goals. Like they they literally walked through the defense. Like that fourth goal, for example, Barcelona play it down the wing. No one closes them down. Barcelona keep running down the wing. No one closes them down. Barcelona get to like six yards out on the byline. No one closes down. They pass it across the face goal. Tap it in. Cheers and four nil. In 36 minutes, it shows, it shows how neglected um, English women's football is compared to European. Like Leon have dominated for years, and now to be fair, that Barcelona team that they can dominate now, 100. percent You can't rock up to a final like that, like Chelsea. That's simply what not to do when you get to a final and you show that video because that is. A, yeah. I'll be embarrassed to be one of the Chelsea players. I don't care if it's the first final or whatever. You you, sh- you simply can't rock up like that. And I may add that we are the first club uh, to win both the uh, men's and women's Champions League. So the only thing that's I, my piece. The only thing I'm going to say as well is that you we we shouldn't discredit what Emma Hayes has done at Chelsea. Absolutely not. God no. Like, She's like, been brilliant. That was. It's not her fault that her players go out there and they didn't. They switch just didn't turn up. Thirty seconds. Yeah. They simply didn't turn up. That's that's what happened. They've they've won the um, WSL. So hopefully, like Louis said about what Barca done in 2019, hopefully Chelsea can do the same. Yeah, well, I think that's that's a good time to move on to our uh, Dutch fiver sides for this week. Um, Costa, I'm going to come straight to you, seeing as you moaned about me talking about you last in the intro. So here we go. <laughs> well, um, my I'm just getting my team up. <laughs> In goal, he's used to being last, isn't he? That's what you just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too much pressure. He wasn't in ready. Goal, in goal, I haven't gone for the obvious name or the second obvious name or maybe the third obvious name. I've gone for Martin Stekellenberg, who has 58 caps to the Dutch side and was one of the 23 that went to South Africa and nearly well. It was never never in doubt, but they lost the final. Of course. course. (laughs) That we won that year, obviously. And (laughs) well, fun fact, Netherlands Netherlands have lost all three World Cup finals they've been in. Like it's one with Johan Cruyff. I don't know what happens to that. They have great teams, but it's just they can win the World Cup, can they? Uh, in defense, I'll have Ronald Koeman who won Euro, the Euros in 1988, has 78 caps for his country, scored the goal that won Barcelona the first ever European Cup. Barcelona manager. Yep. Uh, I hope, I really hope he stays. I don't want him to go. Um, then we have uh, Johan Cruyff. I never saw him play. Um, I've seen clips of him and I heard everyone else that talks about him. Uh, one free Ballon d'Ors has a massive influence, not only in Dutch uh, or Barcelona, but in world football. And yeah, it's just, he lost the World Cup final as well. 
to add to that. The man has his own skill. That's how good he was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but so does Aidan McGeady. He plays in League One. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, next up, we have a player who retired at the age of 28, won multiple league titles, has 300 goals to his name. And won 58 caps and Euro 88. His name is Marco Bambasten. He retired at 28? Yes. Fuck. Uh, injury. Yeah. Mad. Imagine if he, had, if he hadn't retired at 28, that man could have got 500 goals. Yeah. Plus. Easy. He's won like three Ballon d'Ors as well, hasn't he? Two, I think. He was a ridiculous player. Even though 20... but yeah, 28, he had to retire. How many is that? That's that's four. One, two, four. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's in the period where you're probably talking about the earliest of someone's prime, like 27, 28 years old. Yeah. And he won two before. That's mad. I can't. I didn't realise that. Mate, what a player. And then up top, started up top, a player who has 79 caps, played in two European Championships and two World Cups, his name is Patrick Kloybert. Not much clinical striker. And yeah, he's just missing that international trophy with the Netherlands. And on the bench, I have another runner-up in the 2010 Dutch team. He scored a magnificent goal in the semi-finals of the World Cup of the same year. 106 caps to his name. His name is Gio van Bronckhorst. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> and he also won the Champions League with Barcelona 15 years ago on Monday, the 17th of May. Uh, and to finish off the bench, he 73 caps, one Euro 88 as well. I feel really classic today. I don't know why. Um, his name is Frank Rijkaard, who, funny enough, was oh, the coach of that Barcelona team as well. Uh, but then, oh, there's a there's a strong link with a lot of these players there, isn't there, Costa? <laughs> yeah, but then, it's a Barcelona link. I wonder why. Uh, so, and if you, I could have gone modern, like I'm sure one of you or two of you might have gone. But yes, it was, it was very tough to choose, and I'm pretty sure, I'm sure it was tough for you lads as well. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Lewis, um, I'll go for you next. Cracking, right. So I've gone for the obvious choice in goal, Edwin van der Sar. I mean, he was top <laughs> class. I know, he, I know he was a United keeper, but I mean, 130 caps. And also I found that he holds the record for the longest time without conceding a league goal, funny enough. 1,311 minutes during Whoa. the 08-09 season. Pretty impressive. What's that? That's almost 11 games. That's pretty, yeah. But pretty, pretty much 11 games. Yeah. yeah. Actually ridiculous. Um and then centre-back, I've gone Ronald Koeman as well. 78 caps. Apparently 14 goals. Free kick, Mate, free kick master. Free kicks. Yeah. Oh. I mean, unbelievable. And then I've gone for a different one. No one said it yet. I've gone for Rude Hullet, midfield. I mean, just a legend, really. And apparently 17 goals and 66 caps from midfield. Pretty good. And then I've gone for the obvious, end of the choice, Johan Cruyff. I mean, you can't just not, you can't not pick him, can you? I mean... It was just a generational talent, really. So, yeah, and then I'm top, I've gone. I've gone for another one we haven't said. Dennis Burkamp. Dennis Burkamp. <laughs> for the uh, for the commentary alone, it was good. And uh, thirty-seven <laughs> goals. Bergam, Bergam. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You know the one. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, an Arsenal legend as well. So pretty good. And on the bench, I've gone for a few honourable mentions. Gone for Van Persie because you know Premier League legend. And uh, I mean, he's a, he's a snake, but like he's a good player, you know. And especially <laughs> that that goal in was it 2013 for Man United the volley against Villa. Oh, woo! The scissor kick. What? What? Oh, and the scissor kick at the World Cup. What, yeah. what about his um, diving header as yeah. well? The flying yeah. Dutchman. That's the, that's the one I mean. Yeah, the, the diving header. Was that the 2014 World Cup? Yeah. Um, yeah, just an unbelievable player. And who they beat in that game? Who they beat in that game? Oh, no, no, no. He has he has absolutely nothing to say, right? <laughs> Didn't Robin run rings around your defence in that game twice? <laughs> Have they got a World Cup? <laughs> it, was un- it was an unintentional. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And then I've gone for another, um, well, this is a proper streets won't forget, Premier League midfielder. Gone for uh, Van der Vaart. Oh, mate, midfielder. what a shout. Yeah, I mean, okay, he played for Spurs, but I mean, that Spurs team he played in, I mean, it's pretty unreal. So, yeah. And then last one I've gone for, nice honourable mention, player I've liked over the years, Wesley Snyder. You know, into legend and yeah, just a great player, really. So there we go. All right, I'm gonna put myself next. I'll leave the two Chelsea fans to go to the end. I know why he's doing that because he, I reckon, there's someone that he everyone's not mentioned yet, so he wants to say it first. <laughs> oh, I, have a fe- I have a feeling there'll be a defender and a striker. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, in goal, um, Man United legends. Um, probably the, the greatest Dutch keeper of all time. Uh, probably Man United's greatest goalkeeper of all time, Evan van der Sar. Like mentioned before by Lewis, 130 caps. I believe he's still the most capped player in Dutch history. Can't go wrong. Um, got a big, bold man going in at centre-back. Um, possibly one of United's best ever defenders and also one of the biggest mistakes to let him go, and it's Yap Stam. Um, took a took a while to replace him and until Vidic turned turned up, but sixty seven caps for Holland, three goals. Um, he was hard as nails. Uh, as I say with this team, all of these players I'm choosing have played in my lifetime, so there's no Cruyffs in there and stuff like that. So right. it's players that I've actually seen play because um, I have right. I saw Sam play a couple of years ago. So just. Um, <laughs> In centre midfield, <laughs> in the centre midfield, I've gone for one of Lewis's bench players, and I think one of the, I personally think one of the best midfielders in our generation not to win the Ballon d'Or, Wesley Snyder. Mm. Those years at Inter, he was absolutely unbelievable. Just those three years, um, obviously, and his his career started to go down a bit, going off to Turkey and then to Nice. But yeah, hundred. 134 caps for um, Holland, 31 goals. Unbelievable. So he's not the most capped Dutch player of all no, time. No, so man. what I've read is clearly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he must be the, Van der Sar must be the most capped um, goalkeeper of all time. Um, <laughs> one person that no one said yet, which I'm sure Jack and Sam both going to say. Yeah, three. Rude two, Van Nistel. Iron Robin. <laughs> oh. oh, you still doing midfield? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well. yeah. Iron Robin. Um, well, what else can be said? I mean, the guy has probably one of the best left foots on the planet still now at his age. You you knew if he cut in off that right, it's a goal. 
Um, obviously, is he had he his career at Chelsea. He won the World Cup final, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> sake. I would, you know you're not allowed to talk about Spain anymore, okay? It's not allowed to do it. Luis is fair. a lot of shade in this, in this it's episode. It's not fair, because we can't, we can't just talk about England winning it. None of us were alive. <laughs> Woke up in two shades today. <laughs> oh, okay, up front. Um, uh, yeah, Rude Van Nistelrooy, currently yeah. the um, Netherlands assistant manager. So he's always sticking around the team. Um, uh, well, he was 95 goals and 150 appearances for Man United, 35 and 70 for Holland. Just won every two games for Holland, so just goes to show how good he was. He definitely could have got more games for for Holland had he not left Real Madrid so early. Personally, um, and then on the bench, I've two players that Lewis mentioned: uh, Robin van Persie, and then um, finally Van der Vaart. Because just because of his years at Tottenham in the Premier League, I always thought he was pretty decent. All right. Uh, Jack, come to you. We'll leave Sam to last. Um, well, all of my picks have already been said. So, oh. yeah, in goal, in goal, Van der Sar. Because, um, I mean, who, who would be second in that list? Sillison? Tim Krull. Fucking <laughs> Sillison? It probably yeah. would be Tim Krull. No chance. Not, not in terms of all time. Costa, you're getting kicked out of this call if you think Sillison is <laughs> the second best Sillison, Sillison played in that 2014 World Cup and Tim Krull only played out a for Tim Krull for penalties. But didn't you say Stephen yeah. was the best? Unless we're forgetting someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we forgetting? You I'm said right. Stecklenburg. Yeah, so that's four. I, I think Sillison's... Ah, uh, no, oh no, 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 no. Right, anyway, moving on, moving on quickly. <laughs> What's moving on? on incredibly quickly. I've also got Ronald Koeman at, um, at centre-back. Unbelievable player, goal scorer from centre back, uh, midfield, Dennis Bergkamp, just unbelievable technician on the ball, dribbling, passing, scoring goals didn't matter. He did it. Uh, I've also gone for Wesley Schneider, probably one of the greatest Dutch midfielders of all time. Treble winner with Inter Milan, didn't win a World Cup, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> but just a, just a ridiculously ridiculously good player came third in Ballon d'Or was it 2010 when they won it yeah um, and, and I think he said in an interview once he just didn't have the drive to be as good a player as Ronaldo or Messi like to train as hard as they did <clears throat> which is why he never he, he was he was happy where he was which I fair enough but still Big an absolutely respect. quality player um and then up front, I've also gone for Van Basten. Just because you watch highlights of him at World Cups and Euros for the Netherlands, he was absolutely ridiculous. The volley where he's basically on the byline and he slams it into the top left. What a way to win a tournament. Just ridiculous, ridiculous yeah. player. And then uh, for the subs, I've also gone for uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy because he was one of the best Premier League strikers of all time. But I don't think he spent long enough in the Premier League. Just an absolute out-and-out goal scorer, absolute finisher, and the fact that he didn't reach 100 Premier League goals is—I—I I couldn't believe that. But then again, yeah. you look at how short a time he spent yeah. in the Premier League. His goal-scoring record was ridiculous, and I too on the bench have also gone for Rude Hullet because he's someone that you know. If you if you've got the five-a-side team, because this is what ultimately what it is—the five-a-side team—he could play in defence, he could play up front, midfield. You know, he's dominating all the areas except goalkeeper. So I think he. 
you want him in off the bench there. Um, but yeah, I've I've also got a list of like eleven honourable mentions that some of us have named, like because there are just so many unbelievable Dutch players from like the past, particularly like forty years. Uh, I mean, the fact that Cruyff hasn't made my team uh, that, that that goes to show how much talent there is. I, I tell you another streets won't forget as well is uh, Edgar Davids. Edgar Davids, he's yeah. on the list. <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know how I didn't think of it before. I really don't. Yeah. Barnet legend. Barnet oh, legend. Sam, give us your team. In goal, I've got Van der Sar. Um, and can any of you guess my centre-back? He was a Premier League managerial legend. De Boer. Yeah. Oh, mate, that's actually a great shout. Third match. With Twin, though. <laughs> Got to be Frank, can it? Frank. <laughs> yeah, so Frank De Boer, 112 caps, third most cap for the Netherlands side, and he scored 13 goals, which I guess isn't too bad. He was one of those, like, Swiss Army knife players. Like, a, he could literally, he, you could play him anywhere, and he, he'd yeah. do well. Five-a-side legend then, isn't it, Jack, really? Exactly, mate. <laughs> and then I've gone for Iron Robin, Johan Cruyff, Van Basten, then the two on the bench, I've got Cliver and Van Persie. I thought, Jesus real... Christ, poor De Boer, you hate defenders. You just leave De Boer by himself again. <laughs> it's five aside, mate. It's five aside. You don't need defenders, really. Your whole philosophy is just outscore the other team. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable firepower. And how, how do you win a Premier League? If the team gets one and the other team gets none, don't you dare, Michael Owen? Us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm gonna throw another name out there who who I've got on the list. Who is an absolute legend? Wait, that none he, of us have mentioned is, so I think, far. I think I know who you're gonna say. Three, two, one. Sadoff. Clarence Sadoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 How yeah. none of us have mentioned him? Mark Overmars. Um, I, I've also got a couple of names like Classy and Huntelaar. Like just Mate, for the eleven aside, we'll be fine. Yeah, unfortunately, mate, they're, mate. they're just going to have to watch on the sidelines. Sorry. I that. think we can make a B and C team out of these. You know yeah. what? I, this is harder than the France. This is harder than the France. Oh, yeah. I would so, have, oh, what a ledge. I wouldn't have chosen Van Nistelrooy either. I would have chosen Ryan Babble. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a legend. Do you know Luke what? Could am... Van Nistelrooy get to a World Cup final, though? <laughs> oh, Christ's sake, man. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think uh, that brings our today's episode to an end. It's just uh, near enough about an hour. So I hope you've all enjoyed listening to this one. We'll be back the same time next week, Wednesday at 12 o'clock. Put your foot on it, podcast. <laughs>